Welcome to the Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Follow along with the message by downloading our app, available for both Apple and Android phones. And now, for our message. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 32 this morning, so if you want to turn to Numbers chapter 32, that would be a good idea. Numbers is early, fourth book. We finished a series of messages last week called about the last 10 miles between uh, the, the plains of Moab and the Jordan River. That's what these chalkboards are about. If you didn't have a chance to, to listen to all the messages or especially last week, please, please uh, take time. I don't even know. It's a half an hour probably. And just watch the video and see what we did last week because we want you to participate in this this uh, demonstration of our faith with us. So if you, these uh, boards represent, or on them represent uh, initials, families, people that need healing, need deliverance, need salvation, need other things. We are standing together as a body, and that's what I'm gonna talk about this morning, to see God do the things that we've placed on these boards. So if you didn't get a chance to do it or you wanna add somebody else, please come forward afterwards, you can do that. We want you to be aware of what we're doing because this is going to be in front of us for a while. This isn't a temporary thing that we're gonna move away from, but that this is gonna be for the foreseeable future within Grace Church culture, we're going to be talking about going across the Jordan and seeing God do miracles because we bring with us, when we go there, the capacity for miracles to take place. So make sure you check that out. This morning is, is what we call a standalone message at Grace. It's not part of a series. We'll be starting another series here soon. But for this morning, we're going to do a little standalone message, and it, it really comes out of um, Numbers chapter 32. Stay right there. Let me talk to you for a second about Numbers chapter 21. As Israel was, was finishing up their 40-year journey, they got to a place on the east side. If you think about the Jordan River, the west side is, is Canaan. It's the promised land. The right side is the plains of Moab. That's where we've been the last month. But before, when they first moved into that area, there were actually two kings and two kingdoms in that place, the kings were King Sion of the Amorites and King Og of Bashan. And those are fun to say. You can do that on your own at home later, okay? King Sion and King Og are over here. And when Israel came into their territory, they, they decided they were going to wipe Israel out. So they went to battle against Israel. And Israel, because the Lord fights for Israel, Israel whooped up on them. Turn to the person next to you and say, whooped up on them. I just want you to understand that Israel got whooped up, or whooped up on these two kings. Matter of fact, it wasn't even close. It was a total loss for the other kingdoms. Sion and Og and, their, and all of their people were wiped out utterly. They were entirely wiped out. And this is on the east side of the Jordan. And, and in chapter 32, where I have you this morning, there are two and a half tribes that come to Moses to speak to him. The tribes are Reuben. Gad, G-A-D, Gad, and the half-tribe of the, of the large tribe called Manasseh. So half of Manasseh, all of Gad, and all of Reuben. And their leaders come to Moses in chapter 32 of the book of Numbers, and they have a, a proposition for Moses. They come to him and they say, we have a lot of livestock. We have a lot of herds, goats and cattle and you know, sheep and whatever, all of their animals. And the area that we took in the battle... The battle between Og, that where Og was defeated and where Sion was defeated, their, their kingdom, that area that we won in battle, you know, fair and square, that is a great area for livestock. 
So here's what we're asking you, Moses. They come to Moses and say, here's what we're asking. We're asking you, can we have, instead of our inheritance being over here on the west side of the Jordan, like we've been talking about last 10 miles, instead of it being over there, we want our, our inheritance to be over here. We want this space because it's good for, for cattle. It's good for sheep. It's good for goats. Moses, at this season of his life, there's no nice way to say this. Moses, at this season in his life, is a crotchety old man. He, he is an unhappy person. When you read Numbers chapter 32, if you've never read it, check it out. If it's been a while, check it out, because it is a fantastic uh, chapter. It is, a, it is an entire message series about leadership when you see how Moses responds. Because instead of, of Moses saying, um, let me make sure I understand what you're asking. And, you know, when you don't know something, you ask clarifying questions. Instead of asking clar- clarifying questions, instead of taking a moment to just pray, I'm just going to step. You know, he's the guy that goes and sees God face to face. Instead of doing any of that, Moses just has a full-on emotional meltdown. He just goes crazy. You guys are destroying everything. Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, you're going to cause the rest of the nation to lose faith and to not take the promised land. It's your fault. You're just like your ancestors. He just goes on and on and on. And in this case, the two and a half tribes, Reuben, Gad, the half tribe, Manasseh, the 2.5, in this case, they are very patient and they come back to Moses In verse 16 of chapter 32, it's up on the screen. Let me read to you what these two and a half tribes say to Moses. They say, we will build sheepfolds here on the eastern side of the Jordan, here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. But we will take up arms ready to go before the people of Israel until we have brought them to their place. And our little ones shall live in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not, but we will not return to our homes until each of the people of Israel has gained his inheritance. Reuben and Gad and Manasseh, the 2.5, they commit to going to battle and fighting for their brothers, the other, the other nine and a half tribes that will receive their inheritance on the western side of the, of the Jordan River. They say, we will go, we will fight for them, we will be with them, but we want to leave our, our flocks and we want to leave our families here on this side. They devote themselves to staying engaged until others have gained their inheritance. When you read the rest of the chapter, what, you, what I want to see As I want to see Moses say, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I jumped to conclusions. I made assumptions. I should have never done that. What Moses actually does is kind of begrudgingly says, okay, yeah, but you better not back out. You better keep your words. You better not. And so you never get that thing from Moses. Moses is ready to go up on Mount Nebo and breathe his last. That's what needs to happen. He's at the end of his leadership career, but he doesn't do that. He says, okay, fine, fine, but you better follow through. Turn to Joshua chapter 1. In Joshua chapter 1, where we've been 1 through 9, is that, is that great conversation between God and Joshua telling uh, God, the Lord telling Joshua what he's going to do. But after verse 9, Joshua goes and he begins to speak to the 2.5. I want to read you what he says to the 2.5. This is probably some number of months later after the conversation between Moses and, um, and the 2.5 back in Numbers chapter 32. It says in verse 13, this is Joshua speaking to Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. He says, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, has commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing for you a place of rest and will give you this land. That is the land on the eastern side of the Jordan. Verse 14, your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but all the men of valor... 
among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has given to you. And, that, and they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. Verse 16, this is the key verse. It's what Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, it's what the 2.5 say back to Joshua. Remember what's going on. Joshua is following up. Hey, remember... Remember, remember what Moses told you. Remember what you promised Moses. Are you, are you willing to do that? Verse 16 is their reply. They say, all, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. So it's a really good thing. So they made this deal with Moses. Joshua kind of follows up on the terms of the deal, says, are you still willing to do this? The 2.5 say, yes, we are totally willing to do that. Over in chapter four, we actually see it take place. Let me read to you just two verses out of two out of chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. It says this, and it should be on the screen. The sons of Reuben, the sons of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over, armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready to go to war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. So they moved from the plains of Moab all the way to the Jordan River. Now they're in the plains of Jericho. 40,000 of them. And it says in the text that they led the way. Isn't it nice to see people follow through on things they say they'll do? Raise your hand if you think it's good that people do what they say they'll do. 80% of you are right. Good job. 20% have tired arms. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. They, they strike a bargain with Moses that Moses really freaks out and they keep their cool and they have this deal. And then Joshua follows and said, are you really going to do this? And they say, Yes. And then a few days later, they actually do it. They lead 40,000 men of valor. They lead the way before all of the nation of Israel, ready to go to battle. Write this down if you want to this morning in your grace guide or on the app. Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh are an illustration of a healthy church partnering with God's plan. I know they're not a church. I know they're a tribe or tribes. I understand that Israel is not exactly like, we're not exactly like Israel. I get all that. But what they do is exactly what we are called to do, exactly what we're called to do. Like the 2.5, we have received our inheritance. If you know the Lord Jesus, if you have a relationship with Christ, if you know him, then you have a secure spiritual inheritance. When you breathe your last, when it's your time to go, or when Christ returns, if he comes before your death, you will immediately be in the presence of God forever. You have a secure heritage. You are all the way in with God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are good. You're good. If you know Jesus, you are good. I told first services, somebody, I would love for all, I want, you know how the bus driver has that mirror and the bus driver can see everybody in the back of the mirror? I'm going to put a mirror up here so you all can see yourselves. When I ask you to do things, some of you are like, and you immediately say, you're good. And some of you are like, I'm not doing that. And the other ones are like, I'm not sure. And you kind of like half lean over and kind of roll your eyes like, here we go again. You should see all of what you do when I ask you to do that. But you have a secure spiritual home. Your inheritance is, is certain. You're good. But so many people are not good. So there's so many that are not in a place where they have a, a heritage, they have a legacy, they have a territory. They're not yet saved. They're not yet whole. They're not yet provided for. There's so many people on the other side 
that still need to experience what you've experienced. That's why we have to be like the 2.5 because our mission now is to do what their mission was then. It's to go across in front and make a way. Helping to secure the inheritances of others. The 2.5 were in every battle that took place from Joshua chapter 4 on. They're there the entire time. Now think about that. Now the people that are in the nine and a half tribes, they're fighting, but they're fighting for their own space. They're fighting for their own land. The 2.5 are special. That's like the church because they already have a land and they go anyway. They fight. They sacrifice. And it's not, I mean, we can read, you can read the book of Joshua in an hour maybe, if you're a slow reader, an hour and a half. This took years to play out. They weren't like, hey, we'll be back in two weeks. See ya, family. Take care of the livestock. They took off for years and were on the other side of the Jordan fighting the Lord's battles on behalf of others. And this is our calling. We per- they participated in battles, not for their own safety, not for their own comfort, but for the blessing and for the benefit of other people. That is what we're called to do. It's not about us. It's not about us. And it's so hard in our world that says it's all about us. It's so hard to remember that it's not about our comfort. It's not about our security. It's about the blessing and the benefit of other people. What Ethan said this morning is absolutely right. That we have to live our lives through the lens of how important eternity is. As opposed to just what we can accumulate now. We have to be willing to go and sacrifice like the 2.5 did. And we have to do it together. And that's my big point this morning. We have to be willing to do this together. We go together. We pray together. We share together. We weep together. We, we rejoice together. We laugh together. That's what it means to be part of a community. As pastor of Grace Church, you know, we, these, some of these are dreams, right? We talked about dreaming what's on the other side. We're dreaming for other people. I'll tell you what my dream is. My dream for this church is this. That the, that the initials that are up on these boards that represent the heart's cry that you have for people to be right with Jesus, whether it's through healing or deliverance or whatever, my dream is, is that, that the initials on this board that you did not write are just as important to you as the ones that you did write. That you, are, that you are as passionate about seeing people come to Christ that are not the ones that you directly know as you are about the people that you personally are trying to see come to the Lord. And that can only happen when our lives are linked together and we live openly and honestly together. So we have to remember that the 2.5 weren't drafted. They were volunteers. They came to Moses and said, this is what we want. Can we do this? They reaffirmed it to Joshua and then they actually followed through and did it. They offered themselves to go together, 40,000 soldiers to go together on behalf of people that they did not know personally. Think about that. Like we think about the 12 tribes of Israel like, like they're all hanging out together on weekends. It's not that way. We're talking about a million people or more crossing over the Jordan. They didn't know them. They just know, yeah, they're, they're, they're like, it's like me saying I'm, I'm all for the people in Idaho. I, mean, I like Idaho. I don't know a single person in Idaho. But I'm for them because they're part of the country that I'm a part of. That's the idea that they're saying, no, I'm, I'm going for it. I don't know anybody from the, you know, from the tribe of Issachar, but I sure am going to fight for them. I don't know anybody from Asher, but they're important to me because they're my people. That's what God is calling them to do, and that's what God is calling us to do. That's what is the definition of the church. 
that our lives are so linked together that we're willing to go for it in prayer, in, in sharing the gospel, in loving people that we don't even know because there's something more important than what we have back on the east side of the Jordan. This morning... At Grace, we're going to recognize and we're going to receive some new members into this Grace Church family. And I know that even talking about church membership for some people is a very uncomfortable thing. Like some people don't get it. It's like very passe feeling. Some people feel very um, like it's old fashioned or, you know, maybe even wrong. I, I want to be very clear this morning that I, dis- I respectfully, but I do disagree with people that feel that way. I feel like in the, in the day and the age in which we live that membership and making a commitment to walk with a group of people is more important now than it's ever been. Because, because we don't live in a world that honors um, commitment at any level. And when we come together as a family and we say, this is where God has brought me, I want to be a part of this family, what we're saying to everyone else is, you can count on me. We're saying to other people, how can I serve you? We're saying to other people, we are in this thing together. That's why membership is important. Write this down if you would. Making a covenant together is a means of binding our hearts together and aligning our direction so that we can collectively contend to see people's lives transformed. It's about us coming together and moving in the same direction. Now, do you have to join a church to do that? Of course not. And if you're not a member of Grace Church, that's totally fine. That's not, this, isn't a, this isn't a plug for you to join Grace. It is a plug for you to make a commitment and be deeply connected to a particular body of believers whether it's here or elsewhere. And let me, as, well, since I'm in this vein and I don't always talk about these things, let me just make a couple of clarifying comments. Let me tell you what, what membership does not mean. Membership in the church does not mean that you are joining a club. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're not joining a club. We have no disco balls. We have no DJ. You're not joining a club. And with that said, let me say this. Do you remember in um, probably middle school is where I first noticed it, but even in later elementary school, that there are in schools, if you went to a public school or you went to a, a, a school where you weren't homeschooled, this, wouldn't, this analogy won't work for homeschooling, but if you went to a public school or a parochial school or whatever, do you remember that there was like in kids and out kids? Like there were the cool kids and then there were the kids that were um, sub-cool, let me say it that way. Do you remember that? Raise your hand if you remember. I'm not asking which group you're in. I'm just saying, do you remember the distinction, right? Okay, good. I'm glad you remember. I hope you were nice to those kids that I was. I want to say two things about church. Number one, this is not a cool church. Proudly, not a cool church. I don't want us to be a cool church. And that's because of number two. I don't think that that kind of in and out distinction, cool, uncool, you know, with it, not with it, in, out, however you want to describe it, I don't think that should ever apply to the church of Jesus Christ. I feel like for us to actually be the church of Jesus, we have to always be the people with open hands hands saying, you're welcome here, even if you don't fit elsewhere. The church that we used to pastor, I made, you, you'd be so grateful I've grown up, but you would, be, you would be astounded to know that for 13 years, I made them hold hands every single Sunday. It was pre-COVID, you know, the worst thing you could get was cooties. You weren't going to die. 
but I would say every week to them, would you hold the hand of the person next to you? And I can tell you right now, that is a definite, like, clarifier of whether you're going to come back to a church or not. Because you have people like, yeah, I like the service. I ain't never coming back because we have to hold hands all the time. And the reason is, besides it's a, it's, a, it's a way of visually demonstrating our unity, the reason is, is that people are lonely and people don't get touched. And just holding someone's hand for 10 seconds of prayer can make them feel like they're important and that they belong. So we would always do that. I won't make you do that. Don't, nobody has to be weird. You know, don't, it's fine. It's all good. I'm not going to make you do it. But the point is, the point is, you shouldn't join a church because it's a cool church. You shouldn't want to be an in. There shouldn't be the distinction between in and out within the body of Christ. That's the beauty of Jesus. Everybody is in all the time. People shouldn't join churches because they have great facilities. I like great facilities. That's not a reason to join a church. Or because of the style of the church. Or because of certain ministries that the church offers. Or, or because of even personalities of people that are a part of that church. That is all just garbage. It's about having a, a heart that's bound together for Jesus and going in the same direction. That's why you join a church. Write this down if you would. Last fill in on your, on your grace guides. Being part of the grace community this particular church, being part of this particular church, is about seeking wholeness for ourselves and for other people. It's about building community, building this relationship that we have collectively, and about making disciples. Those are our values, wholeness, community, and discipleship. It's about walking together until the job is done, just like Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh on the other side of the river. So there are 14 people that are joining Grace Church today, and some of them were in first service and some of them are in second service. So I'm going to invite you, if you're here in this service and you're joining today, would you come up on the platform with me, please? Come on up, Carl. Thank you for being first. Carl and Tammy and Marissa and Ethan and Amy. It's bad I had to call my own, like, come on. I actually sent a text to Ethan and Amy recently, and I said, hey, are you guys like wanting to join the church officially? And Ethan said, uh, that's a hard no for me. And Amy said, yes, I would be glad to. So thank you for convincing your husband to join the church, Amy. These dear folks, along with a bunch of others from the other service, are joining. I'm going to read you really quickly what they are agreeing to, because it's important for you to understand that when you join Grace, you're, you're agreeing to four tenets that we have established within our church family. Basically, this is what these folks are kind of signing up for. This is the Grace Membership Covenant. It says this, membership at Grace Church includes the following items. Each member will, number one, love and follow Jesus, acknowledging him as Savior and Lord. That is, they will be surrendered to God. Number two, love and care for others, especially those within the Grace community, strengthening the body. Number three, devote a portion of their time, ability, gifts, and finances to Grace Church. That is, demonstrating partnership with the rest of the body. And number four, this is my favorite one, they are committing to address conflict in a biblical manner when it arises. Not if it arises, but when it does. And that one's important to me because I want the opportunity to try to work through struggles that happen, inevitably happen within any church. Um, so we've included this specifically to say, as believers, we will sit down and, like it says in Isaiah, come let us reason together. We will try to reason together. 
and then they sign this. At Grace Church, we do this membership covenant annually because we want to take time each year for the people that are a part of this family officially that are members to say prayerfully, yes, I want to be a part of this church for another year. I want to stick around as opposed to having you know, a membership role that dates back decades and their people aren't even there anymore. So our membership role is very current. It includes the people that are worshiping you know, regularly at Grace even now. So we're going to pray for them. As a matter of fact, would you guys take one step forward? I'm going to ask Beth and Marty and Susan and Scott and Kathy. I don't know if Dan or Kelly is. Oh, there she is. Miss Kelly's here. Yes. Our elders to come up, and they're going to lay hands on these folks as well. And when they're here, I'd invite you as we pray for them to just extend your hand. You don't have to do that just yet. I don't want your arm to get tired. Here's the thing. We're praying for them, but I want you to understand how I view them and how we as leaders view them. They are gifts to this church. It's not that we get them and now we can just start using them. I mean, they have gifts and talents and all that. That's important. I mean, we, they need to do that. That's part of the, that's the biblical connection. It's our body. You don't have any parts of your body that aren't functioning. That, that's, that's not healthy. So they have to do those things. But I want you to understand that we, oh, Dan, fantastic. I want you to understand also, though, that, that we see these people as gifts to us. It is a blessing to be able to call them our brothers and sisters in Christ as part of this Grace family. So um, would you agree with me now in prayer? Lay hands on them, folks, and then extend your hands from the, from the uh, congregation. We're going to pray for these folks, for Amy and Ethan, for Carl and Tammy, and for Marissa, Lord. Thank you for each of them. Jesus, what a gift these dear folks are. Lord, we are just humbled that you have brought such incredible people to be part of this church family formally, officially, Lord. We pray that you would bless them. Lord, we know that you have brought each of them here for a specific reason. They're not, this isn't just random, Lord. It's by your design that they're being brought into this family of believers. Lord, I pray that you would make them fruitful, that they would bear much fruit in their ministries while they're here, Lord, that you would connect them relationally, they would help build our community. Lord, that they would be discipled and be disciple makers as they're here. And Lord, that they would, whenever they, they're moved on, Lord, because we recognize that people don't stay in one place forever, may they be more whole. May they look more like Jesus when that time comes. Lord, I pray your blessing on each one of them, and I thank you for them. We pray in Christ's name. If you agree with that, would you say amen? Would you give them a round of applause and tell them we're glad that they're joining? Awesome. God. Thank you, Dan and Kelly. Thank you, guys. It's always a little awkward. It's like we should keep clapping until they all sit back down. We won't do that, though. We do. I, I mentioned something there during the prayer that I want to just touch on really quickly, and that is we do... Um, we do recognize that not everybody that joins Grace Church will be here forever. I'm looking at Marty because I know Marty and Beth have been here for a good long while. How long have you been? 20, 21 years, yeah. They're probably one of the few people in this whole congregation that have been here that long, yeah. They're the survivors, yeah. But most people don't stay in churches that long. And I, wanna, I want you to know that that's okay. There are legitimate reasons to leave a church. There are healthy, God-honoring reasons to leave a church. There's also a lot of terrible reasons to leave a church. But we recognize that people are going to move on eventually. And this annual 
element of our membership covenant allows people a graceful off-ramp if the time has come for them to go do something else in ministry or they're being called to a different place. Maybe they're going to be a missionary. They're going to plant a church. They're going to do something really neat. And we want to support and celebrate that. That's why when people leave, we want to be able to, you know, we want to be able to pray them out. But more importantly, we want to be able to see them and target and not go to the next aisle. We want to be able to see them and say, that's still my brother, that's still my sister. I'm so glad to see you. I hope God's doing great things in your life. It's important that we do this stuff well. Would you stand with me? You are the, uh, you're the modern version, Grace, of the 2.5. I just want you to see yourselves on mission with us all together, all of us, members, non-members, whatever. We're all together pointing in this direction. In uh, Joshua chapter 22, the uh, Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they're let go. They, it's like mission accomplished. You guys can leave. And they go back and they go across the river and they, they go back to their livestock and their families, which are grown up some since they left them. And it's a good thing. That's our call as well that we would go across the river like they did and that we would help see spiritual victories be won and territory be secured for the sake of those that we don't even know very well so that one day the Lord, when the Lord calls us home, we get to experience our inheritance, our spiritual territory. That's what we're after. Would you pray with me? Father, that's what our desire is. We want to be like this, this 2.5 tribes, Lord. We want to be like them. Lord, we, we're so grateful that you've already given us an inheritance. We're living in a promised land, not the perfect one, not the, not the heavenly one, but we're already living in your promises. And life is good, Lord. But for so many other people, it is not good. And so, Father, my prayer for us this morning is that as a church, we would bind together, like Reuben, like Gad, like the half-tribe Manasseh, and say, we will go before we will fight battles. We will love people well. We will pray for them. We will contend with the same passion that we have for those that we want to see. Come to Jesus. We will contend in that same passion for others, others that are represented by these boards from this congregation. Lord Jesus, may we never be ashamed. Lord, speaking, thinking of football, Lord, may we leave it all on the field spiritually until you call us home. I thank you for Grace Church, Lord. I thank you for our new members in both services. I pray your blessing on them, and I pray your blessing on this congregation as we move into the future, the future that you have for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Extend your hands in front of you. I wanna bless you in the name of the Lord before you go. This is the blessing that God gave Moses to give Aaron to speak over the people of Israel. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, Grace family, and give you peace. Amen. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you'd like more information about giving your life to Jesus, email us at info at grace417.com. That's I-N-F-O at grace417.com. We pray you have a blessed day.